Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. I know this might not be the day for us to put basketball content out into the universe. But I wanted to get this out there today because I felt like, you know, with the fantasy week ending and with the... uh, Honestly, just the sort of impact of things needing to happen almost immediately, especially for folks that are in first-come, first-serve leagues, or if you have weekly fab leagues or whatever, uh, I thought it was important to get this show out there today. So welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a special Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday edition uh, of Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Bespris. Please do take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you guys are enjoying the content we're doing here, uh, that does go a long way. And you can find me over on social media at... Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is a special trade deadline impact names show. I had to call it, you know, must-ads or something like that because otherwise you don't get dropped into the search engine deal. But the main purpose of today's show is to look at 19 guys who either suited up for a new team last night or had their role significantly changed by the trade deadline, uh, and we got information on them on Saturday night. So this is why I wanted to get this out into the world quickly, get it out on Sunday. This is not stuff that I felt could wait until Monday. We will dive in, and I want to give you guys this sort of, just this very quick precursor. These names are not in a specific order. They are in the order that uh, their teams played on Saturday, because this is how I saw them as I was going through, looking through all the games. I started the early ones, and I worked towards the late ball games. You watch some tape, you watch some box scores, you see what's happening at different junctures throughout Listen to some of them on the radio when I was driving. That was uh, Clippers and Pistons. That was one. So there's like, it's chronological, effectively. So don't be like, hey, Dan, why do you have this mustad guy right in the middle of the pile? That's why. Because it's chronological. Uh, I want to get this show done in 25 minutes or less because I also think that's important because you guys don't really want to do basketball today. You want to be watching the Super Bowl. So let's dive in. Let's do this quick. Daniel Gafford, first name on the board from yesterday. Uh, Mavericks had the early game. Uh, He is a hold. He is a hold. Uh, First of all, Gafford played 17 minutes, which I know everybody's going to be like, oh, 17 minutes, but he had 17 and 9 with a block. He's going to have the easiest time of his life playing with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic now. And I expect his minutes to trend up. Maxi Kleba had 12 and 12 in this ballgame. Derek Lively will show up at some point. Yes, There is the risk of a logjam, but you've got to hold on to see how this thing shakes out. You cannot make assessments on guys being moved to contending teams in the very first game they play. It's just, it's too much to ask because they're going to need him to learn their playbook, their offense, their defense. He needs to learn all of that stuff. He can't just drop in and go like a guy going to a crapper team where it's like, I don't care if they make mistakes. Like, what are we playing for? This Mavs team wants to win. 
So Gafford is very much a hold. Do not panic. Give this at least a couple weeks. P.J. Washington, similar scenario, but a very different fantasy player. That's why P.J. is trending towards a drop in my eyes. He's a guy that we've always talked about needing a ton of usage to get to fantasy value. He's a 45-71 splits guy, field goal and free throw percent, meaning that the counting stats have to be extraordinary to get him there. In 29 minutes with Charlotte, he was outside the top 140 on 13.5 points, about two threes, five boards, and two assists. Yeah, a steal, 0.7 blocks, all that stuff is decent, but his role isn't about to get bigger. The best case scenario for Washington is that his role stays about the same in Dallas as it did in Charlotte. I don't think the number of shots could possibly stay the same, at least on sort of like a per-minute basis. Could the field goal percent tick up? Absolutely, because he's going to be more open, as we just talked about with Daniel Gafford. But Washington just doesn't have a fantasy game that translates well to 9-cat. So I think in 9-category leagues, P.J.'s trending towards a drop. Points leagues, you could probably give it a little bit more of a leash because those categories are less of a thing. Uh, and that's the deal with the new Mavericks. Marcus Sasser, who I got a lot of questions about. I never really talked about him as a guy I liked. I mentioned on Twitter, I said, oh, you know, I could see how this thing shakes out with him. He had that like pretty good ball game for Detroit when everybody was out and then they were going into the trade deadline. But my also thought was like, this guy's coming off the bench. He's very much a three-pointers focused dude. Yeah, he had four assists in their game yesterday, their loss in LA to the Clippers. But they're going to want to get a look at their new guys. So Sasser, in my eyes, is more of a schedule stream. Probably, again, if we're like, we have to classify these guys in a particular way. And if someone is just a schedule play, meaning you drop them into your lineup when they have, you know, three and four days or something like that, that effectively makes them to drop. That's a waiver wire guy who you're only picking up for three to five days at a time. So I don't think Sasser is going to be consistent enough to require our attention. Simona Fontecchio, on the other hand, does look more intriguing. He came off the bench, but he played 32 minutes. He provides a certain size that the other guys off the bench don't have and shooting. So it's size and scoring. He took 19 shots in the Pistons' loss, 20 points, 9 boards, 3 threes, and a steal. We know he can hit threes. We know he can get some steals. Uh, I don't think he comes anywhere near 19 shots again for the foreseeable future. But he played you know, fourth most minutes on the team behind Ivy, Cade, and Duran. Those guys are the core. And to say, all right, Fontecchio, you're going to play minutes like the guys at the core. I mean, what's to stop him from starting in the next ballgame? Mike Muscala got the start at power forward in this game and played nine and a half minutes. And then Fontecchio picked up the rest of them, including I think Fontecchio played the last 18 minutes in a row in this game, unless he got like a 30-second breather in there. But he was basically in like from midway through the third quarter until all the way to the end of the ballgame. That's showing a lot of faith in a new guy, and it seems like he's sort of part of the building blocks now. So Fontecchio, speculative ad. This might not stick, and his 9 game is not outstanding. You know, he's mostly threes and steals with a smattering of boards, but he's not a bad free-throw shooter. Field goal percent will probably be a small negative. That can be overcome with a little bit of the counting stuff. And so then we want to, that's why we call it speculative, because I don't know if the counting stuff's going to be good enough every day, but it certainly was last night. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. 
<clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Sar Thompson is an ad, not speculative, not anything else. He's a guy whose role should just continue to ramp up the rest of the season. I don't think we need to go into a ton of detail on this one because I feel like most folks are just in agreement he played 27 and a half minutes in yesterday's loss to the Clippers, had 10 points, 8 boards, 5 assists, and a couple of steals. He was flying around on defense, which is where they need him. And it just, like, it makes no sense for him not to be getting significant playing time. I, I, I kind of don't care who comes in. This is the slow ramp up. Even if it's not immediate, even if it's like it takes him another 2, 3, 4, 5 weeks, whatever it is, to get to where we really want him to be, and silly season, it feels like he could really do some damage. But even in the short term here, with Isaiah Stewart out more than anything, uh, that's a factor. Now, does Stewart come back and take the minutes away from Thompson or Fontecchio or both? That's a possibility. And that's why some of this stuff, like with Fontecchio, remains more speculative. With Thompson, we know he's a building block. And so it's less speculative. Like, there's, I think there's more confidence that he just slowly grows his role. But it might take some time. So if you have a problem on that front, then maybe you could downgrade him to more of a stash ad type. But I do think he needs to be on rosters. Chronologically, we continue to move through yesterday's impact guys. The next one on the board is Dennis Schroeder, who looked incredible in his first game for Brooklyn. Played 27 bench minutes, had 15 points, 12 assists, and three three-pointers, which is not a thing that's going to stick. But the points and the assists will... Uh, he's an okay field goal percent guy. He's a good free throw dude. Steals are not usually particularly high. Threes are not particularly high. But I expect him to see a lot of time as the point guard. And I expect him to be somewhere in between where he was in Toronto at the end of the year and where he was in Toronto at the beginning of the year. Because remember, Schroeder got off to a top 60 start this season for about four weeks. And I started to think, holy hell, did I just completely whiff on this handicap? And then he was, like, top 140 for the next, like, whatever we at, like, eight, nine weeks. Uh, and then it got worse than that when they brought in more bodies. I think he probably ends up somewhere in the 100 to 115 range, which, in my eyes, in 12-teamers, is a guy that should be played nightly. And his role should only grow as this team figures out how he fits into things. Uh, and I, I believe that he will. Dennis Smith Jr., his teammate in Brooklyn, is more of a watch list guy. He had a nice game yesterday with 14-6-2 and two and a block, and he's an across-the-board really interesting fantasy producer. I just don't see how Dennis Smith gets more than 22-23 minutes on average the rest of the year. There are just too many guys. Claxton, Cam Thomas, Cam Johnson when he comes back, Ben Simmons, Mikhail Bridges, Dennis Schroeder, where, Lonnie Walker, who only played six minutes. Where are the... More than 23 minutes for Dennis Smith Jr. are going to come from if the team stays healthy. Now, if Cam Thomas goes down, or if Schroeder goes down, or if Simmons has to pack it in for the year, then you start to look back and say, okay, now I could find a way to squeeze another three, four, five minutes in, and that becomes a more reliable number. But for now, watch list. Trey Mann, as we move to Charlotte now, I think he's a head-to-head -head league and a points league ad because he started at shooting guard. He ended up doing a lot of sort of point guardy stuff with nine assists, but his percentages are crap, which again, head to head side. I know everybody's punting one of the percentages, everybody. It seems like everybody's punting one of the two. 
And also, you know, week-to-week fluctuations. You can sort of stomach it one week. It'll hurt you the next. You hope that guys kind of balance each other out. Points leagues, you're not that worried about that stuff. Uh, You know, 11 shots, a handful of assists, a couple of steals mixed in. That's good enough in head-to-head and definitely good enough in points leagues. I remain incredibly skeptical that he can get inside the top 100 in roto formats because of the percentages. Now, I know this year he's at 47% from the field, but this is his fourth season in the NBA, or third season, excuse me, in the NBA. In his previous two, he shot 39% in both of them. It kind of doesn't make any sense that he would jump into the high 40s without any real impactful change to his fantasy game. And I thought yesterday was a pretty good example of that. He's a high 70s free throw guy, so a small negative there. Uh, He shot 36% from the field because he got some volume in yesterday's game. And then also, look, honestly, the nine assists are probably on the high side as well, especially if LaMelo Ball ever shows back up again. So I don't think I'm picking him up in sort of like a what you'd call traditional nine-cat roto, like I'm trying to win all nine categories kind of format. But again, head-to-head, you can probably call him an ad. Points League, definitely an ad. And if you're punting, specifically field goal percent, then he makes a lot of sense. Vasily Misic, 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 doesn't matter. I'll mess it up until I uh, actually get to hear the play-by-play guy say it. Uh, watch list, watch list. He had 18 and 9, which is crazy, in 26 minutes. But he also shot 8 of 12 from the field, and they played a Memphis team that's not an NBA caliber opponent. I, I just, I don't see Charlotte getting 30 assists when they play a team. Uh, that actually plays any defense. And, you know, that's not everybody in the NBA. Like, there are probably five, six teams that don't play a lick of defense at all in the NBA right now. But Charlotte shot 58%. This is one of the worst offensive teams I've ever seen in my life, and they shot 58% in yesterday's game against the Grizzlies because they are one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life right now. This was the, like, relegation battle. So, uh, watch list. I I don't foresee 18-9... and being an everyday thing for him. Uh, Next on the board is Grant Williams, also on the watch list in Charlotte. Now, some of this one for me is because he's a hometown kid. But so is Seth Curry, and he only played 20 minutes. I don't think there's any guarantee that Grant Williams gets significant minutes. I think there's some sort of like, you know, there's a hometown love thing going on there where uh, he'll get probably to do a little bit more because of that but he's mostly corner three-pointers and some rebounds. There isn't a whole lot to his fantasy game, uh, so I don't think we need to pounce on Grant Williams because, frankly, I don't think anybody else is going to. So you can wait, see. He might even have three, four decent ball games in a row uh, and then crap out, which is kind of like what happened in Dallas earlier this year. So unless he just becomes a massive usage guy, which I don't see coming, probably watch list, doubtful an ad, but you never know. Here's the easiest one of the day. Buddy Heald, who's just been outstanding, outstanding in Philadelphia. His role will slowly shrink. Kyle Lowry just got signed, so that'll take a little bit away. And at some point, Anthony Melton will come back, and that'll take a little bit away. But right now, uh, they badly need his scoring. And I don't know that Kyle Lowry and DeAnthony Melton are going to be the guys that make it so they don't need Buddy Heald to score anymore. Joel Embiid is that guy. Because Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris are the other guys that need to score out there. And Oubre, and those guys were all there. And Heald still had 23, 5, 6, 4 steals and 4 3 points. He's not going to be that good every game. 
but he's a must-add, must-play in every format. I spent a truckload on him in some fab leagues where he had been dropped because he was doing crap on the Pacers, and I feel very good about that. Marvin Bagley, on the other side, is going to be a tough one, but he's a tough hold for me right now. He played 15 minutes as the starting center. He's coming back from a back injury, and I'm inclined to think that there was a little bit of an ease-it-in type of situation, but they also realized that they could run a little small. It's a couple games in a row, actually, that the Wizards have run small. Denny Avia picked up a bunch of center minutes. That's not something you're going to be able to get away with when the opposing center isn't a uh, non-scoring threat. And that, by the way, is not to take anything away from Paul Reed, but he's not intimidating anyone on the offensive side. So they're like, all right, Denny, you're big enough. You can probably deal with this. And by and large, he could. This was a relatively competitive basketball game. I have to believe, though, that when the Wizards play a team with a uh, slightly more intimidating center, it doesn't have to be like a, a superstar level guy, but just a sort of center that isn't exclusively a rim runner, uh, that Bagley's going to get to do more. So let's hold on that front. Uh, you know, none of us likes Marvin Bagley's um, fantasy profile, points, rebounds, field goal percent, sort of, and then awful free throw. But again, you got to wait and find out if he's going to get 30-some-odd minutes. Because if he does, he's just going to put up so much counting stuff that the fact that he doesn't do the other things and could be a negative in some of the other ones won't really hurt you all that much. His teammate, Bilal Koulibaly. You guys know I am very, very skeptical of of Bilal. Uh, I just... I don't... I don't think he has the fantasy game. Sorry, sorry, Bilal. I don't think you have the fantasy game. So my comment here is skeptical. Skeptical. Uh, He had a good game two games back. He had a dog-do game in his last one, percentages that are just, you know, obliterating you. And that's that's the thing with him. Like, I need him taking a ton of shots, but I also need him to not miss all of them. That, to me, is asking a lot. And again, you know, points leagues, some head-to-head formats, that type of stuff is less of an issue But you guys know me, and you know this show. I have to present this show as a nine-category situation, and I just have no idea how he does enough in nine-category formats to be a a fantasy ad. It just, it doesn't, the numbers don't, the math doesn't add up. You know, 27 minutes this year, he's number 227. Steals are fine, blocks are okay, one three-pointer, but like, Bad field goal and bad free throw? You can't be bad at both and not be awesome at the other stuff. He's bad at both and he'll be fine at the other stuff, but that won't, in my eyes, be enough. Alec Burks. This is a pretty easy one to put on a watch list. I don't think he needs to be added. I know he had 22 points for the Knicks in 22 minutes yesterday, uh, but you know how often do we really think he's going to get 14 shots make half of them, and go 4 for 4 at the free throw line in 22. If he's only playing 22 minutes, there's no chance he has sustainable 9-category value. And frankly, even yesterday, I don't think that's a 9-category that's a game. You know, he had two boards, one assist. No steals, no blocks. Yeah, the three-pointers were good, the scoring was good, the percentages were good, but when everything goes to where it needs to be, yeah, that ain't going to happen. So that's a pretty easy call. I don't think we need to go into much more detail there. His uh, Detroit teammate that also came over, Boyan Bogdanovich, in my eyes, is a temporary hold. 
uh, mostly because his minutes were just higher. Boyan played 33 minutes off the bench, and he's liable to get a lot of minutes uh, in the short term here while the Knicks are without OG Ananobi uh, and Julius Randle. When those guys come back, I feel pretty confident in saying that Boyan ends up as a drop. But if he really is going to play 33 minutes and he's going to get between 10 and 15 shots, he probably hangs on near the top 100. So a temporary hold on Boyan Bogdanovich with the knowledge that this is not a rest-of-season proposition. This is a rest-of-injury proposition in New York where we can then segue into some of the other names in New York, such as Josh Hart or Dante DiVincenzo, who I didn't actually put on this slideshow. Those guys are holds right now also. DiVincenzo, I'd have more confidence in calling a rest-of-season hold because he was there when the team was healthy before, but even he might get knocked off with Burks and Bogdanovich in town. Because again, you bring all these guys back, even if Dante continues to start, that's just so many mouths to feed right now. And for Josh Hart, I think you basically put him in the Boyan Bogdanovich bucket, which is he's a hold for now because his minutes are there for now. And as guys come back, Hart probably ends up as a drop as well. Kelly Olynyk, And you guys know I can't do, go a show without talking about old Kelly O. I have the softest of soft spots in my heart for Kelly Olynyk. It's almost the same size as the soft spot in my heart that I have for Larry Nance Jr., uh, but first of all, Larry Nance, he's a backup and I want him, I want him to be a thing so bad, but I'm also fully aware that he's not a thing, especially not while Jonas Valanciunas is healthy. Kelly Olenek could be a thing. It's not impossible. We know he can play alongside regular centers. So like Jakob Pertl and those guys did play together briefly. It didn't go all that well, but they played together briefly in yesterday's ball game. But more than anything, my love of Kelly Olynyk is because he has one of the most translatable fantasy games in the league. Does anybody remember? And I feel like we, I, you know, I've been moving through the other names so fast, and we're on to like our last two names, I think, on the show here. Does it, so I can take an extra second on Olynyk. Does anybody remember what he did in Houston at the tail end of the 2021 season? He was in basketball hell. Uh, but he played 31 minutes for the Rockets and put up 19, 8, and 4 with two defensive stats and two three-pointers on 55-84 splits. Is that going to happen again? Hell no. Hell no. But even think back to last year in Utah. He put up 12.5 points, six boards, four assists, a steal, and half a block, one and a half three-pointers on 50-85 splits. And that was on a team, again, where his job was somewhat marginalized by other dudes that were scoring. I think we have to assume that that's kind of like what the job ends up being this year. And the thing, too, is like in 20 minutes in Utah, he wasn't that far away from Fantasy Valley because he was at 8, 5, and 4.5. And in my eyes, we really only need to get Olenek to about 24, 25 minutes a game which is not going to be simple. It's not a guarantee by any stretch. But he got awfully close in his first ball game with a new team yesterday. He got to 22 minutes and put up a healthy fantasy line in them. He's also, and I, I, I mean this like a little bit, you know what, it's not, it's not facetious. It's not joking to say that being Canadian is going to help him here. Like he's a ticket sales guy, as is R.J. Barrett. Hometown boy from Toronto. This is a big deal. 
11-6-3 with four defensive stats and a three in yesterday's ballgame in 22 minutes. He's not going to be that usagey every time he's out there, but he's a ball mover for a team that badly needs a ball mover. They don't have any point guards, really, on that team anymore. So someone's going to have to be the facilitator, and if it's not going to be Bruce Brown, and Scotty Barnes should be able to focus on the other stuff some of the time, it's probably Kelly Olenek. He might end up hurting Jakob Pertl. They may end up sort of cannibalizing each other, and then they both end up sucking. But in a perfect universe, they find a way to coexist. Where Barrett, Barnes, Olenek, Quickly, Pertl, and Trent are sort of like the six guys who get to play, and then Bruce Brown and Oshaya Baji pick up some sort of like chunky minutes off to the side. Will that happen? I don't know. But Kelly's so good at fantasy that you gotta at least put him on a roto bench and see what happens. And then Gary Trent Jr. talking about these other players on the Raptors. I think he probably trends towards a drop. He was really bad in yesterday's game. Some of that was because the Cavaliers, no one can score on Cleveland anymore. They're unbelievable. The Cavs are so good defensively. I want to do a show all about the Cavs' defense, but we don't have time for that. I just don't think Trent gets enough shots consistently. I don't know that Olenek is going to be the thing that hurts him. It's actually possible that Abaji ends up hurting Trent because he's better defensively. Uh, but uh, again, this is going to be a lot of guys fighting for kind of the same bucket, and that to me makes it tougher. I always thought the Raptors needed to unload more players than just Schroeder to get Trent all the way to the finish line, and instead, yes, they dumped one, but they brought in others, so I'm guessing Trent is a drop. If you wanted to hang on for one or two more games, I have no problem with that. Maybe it, maybe he ratchets it back up, uh, but I don't think he does. And that is your lightning round through 19 players here that I thought were interesting enough to talk about from the Saturday card. Make sure to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Use promo code ethos20, ethos20 at manscaped.com to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Please, if you liked this show and you're finding us for the first time, like, rate, subscribe, however you're taking in the podcast. Traditional channels, YouTube, Twitter, whatever, follows, likes, retweets, shares, all of that stuff means the world to me. Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris over on social. Check out sportsethos.com and Ethos Fantasy BK. That's the Twitter feed where you can get your NBA news. Impact, guys, done. We'll update it again as we do our normal weekly shows starting tomorrow. That's another good reason to subscribe. And in the meantime, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.